0: Mary, Mary Adams, Uh, so glad to see you on Radio Evolve. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Thomas. It's wonderful to be here.
0: I know you since many years, and I know you as someone who is deeply engaged her whole life into kind of a, if I may say, so spiritual quest and the pursuit of consciousness. At the same time, recently, your engagement, opened up to a new field, which is um, (coughs) radical climate activism. And Mm -hmm. I thought it would be great to talk with you about the relationship between both. Because on one hand, uh, the question of the evolution of consciousness, the opening of consciousness, the maturing of our soul and hearts uh, Mm -hmm. is an important question also in this uh, terrible, difficult times. And at the same time, the climate crisis keeps rolling. And uh, it's uh, kind of accelerating every day. So this is the predicament that we are in. And just to start with, how did you change, if that's the case at all, direction in Mm. the engagement of your life to dive so deeply into climate activism? How
1: did it come about? Great, good question. Um, it's interesting because I think right from the beginning I would say that because um, a lot of people perceive me as changing course, <clears throat> and I see a sort of straight line through it all. And um, it's true what you said. Most of my life, from my very early twenties, were devoted to exploring the um, you know the, the world of consciousness and at you know how consciousness relates to culture, though, because the, the originally I was, as you know, I went to India because I felt that largely the culture I was living in was uh, had a, had a lack of purpose and meaningfulness and and depth, and I was attracted as many people were. So I spent many years there, devoted to that, and have pursued that um, most of my life, actually most of my adult life. But for myself, Thomas, it's always been. What is, I've always wrestled, I guess, or with the question of what's the relationship with that with culture. And one of the reasons I was attracted to Indian philosophy and civilizational thought, which is what I studied, is because it does not make that distinction. The spirit is the guide, driver of culture, originally the Dharma. So that's why I think I was attracted to that. And then um, we were both involved in, you know an intentional community that was also devoted to that. You know, what's the the role and value of spiritual values, spiritual awakening, spiritual understanding in its effect and potential for shaping culture, shaping new cultural uh, strategies, policies, ways of being, ways of being and doing, actually, in all kind of fields. And um, so I've always been attracted to those two together. I haven't seen them as separate. But um, I guess... I mean, very quickly in 2013, as you know, the the intentional community, we were part of the organization, went into into demise in quite a radical way. And I spent about two years, I guess, focused on that, looking into that, exploring that, what happened, why, et cetera. And then I think after that, 2015, I went back to India. And it was interesting, the people I met there, had a spiritual base, but they were also very, they had a historical grasp and they were wrestling with Indian Indian culture today, how it could manifest its deeper spiritual values, but in a modern India context. But in the course of that, I was exposed to quite, I think, a, a wake-up for me of the colonial background and being British, having British parentage, British ancestry, it made me begin to look at those historical factors in in the world we're in now. So it started with that, and then that led to quite an intensive research, looking, exploring, and and I began to look at our culture. And I think some of the things that drove me to India in the very beginning, I began to see the that we at this point, forty years on, whatever, are looking at the consequences of that. So. Uh, fast forward 2016. I I began to be very aware of the um, the effects of, of of some of modernity, some of the sides of modernity. And I'm not an anti-modernist, but I began to see that the impacts of that, and one of them being very much climate, was beginning to really dawn. And um, but to myself, all the way through. I was looking at that as being a far-reaching expression of something deeply, um, something that had gone astray at the heart of our culture, the soul of our culture and of culture I'm part of, that that's part of, that's the sort of far-reaching expression of that. And anyway, I wanted to know more about it, and I knew it's a controversial topic. There's lots of thought about it, so I... I went and did three days with Al Gore, one of his immersions with scientists. And um, and I learned a lot. And I realized this really is a meta crisis, a mega crisis. And I think, Thomas, just to say one of the things that impacted me, that three was three very intensive days with scientists from all over the world. And we learned a lot, but it was their heartbrokenness that really impacted me. I realized this is really real. These are hardcore academics who have done research for years, been, and they are heartbroken about what's happening. So it, it led that. And then fast forward again, I, I, I began to think about that in con, in the terms of consciousness and the relationship to it and et cetera, what we needed to do. And I began to give talks and started to write about it. And um, and then In 2018, I came across a talk about our responsibility in these times, and I realized that here in Britain, at least, the climate crisis, the ecological crisis, there was very, very little at that time in the public arena, public awareness. The media didn't speak about it much. And that's when Extinction Rebellion began. So I, I participated in that to some degree. And I was sort of looking, you know, to see what it was all about, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I got fairly involved in that, but it wasn't, I didn't get that involved. And it was, I mean, I didn't I didn't get arrested or anything, but I participated and I listened and I learned. And one of the things that really attracted me about that was nonviolent civil disobedience in the Gandhian tradition and the Martin tradition of Martin Luther King. And I did a lot of workshops on that and the relationship between that and social transformation, because Gandhi, as you know, was a deeply spiritual person, as was Martin Luther King. And in a different way than maybe I've approached it, but, uh, but I began to see that those movements actually had those particular ones had a spiritual basis. So I threw myself into that. And then, uh, I can't remember, I think it was in 2019 or two. know it was in 2020. There was uh, things had gone a little quiet again. Uh, we'd had COVID. That's right, we'd had COVID, which was huge. And another manifestation of things that have, I think, gone wrong culturally and at a certain level. Um, and so everything was understandably about COVID, we were all in lockdown, it was a very, very tough time for people, et cetera, et cetera. And there was literally the climate crisis, the meta crisis we're in, and the the interlinking crises that I think stem from a deeper civilizational uh, consciousness issue uh, just uh, evaporated. They weren't weren't visible at all, they weren't in the media. And then I, I attended a talk and I just... Responded to this call to for civil, nonviolent, civil disobedience. I was very impressed with the person who gave it. It made a lot of sense. It was very planned, very strategic, nonviolent in its nature, spiritual in its values. And so I I participated and it was a quite a profound um had quite a profound effect on me, largely because of the culture between the people. It was a small group, and it was very targeted, really. We had a target to bring back the issue into public consciousness through the media in order to put pressure on our government here in Britain, which is quite small. Britain's a very small population, but part of the G20, to really try to bring change through that strand. Now, I'm just want to say from the beginning, I see radical, nonviolent civil disobedience as one strand in a tapestry of things that need to happen. So I began there.
0: <laughs> yes. Just uh, to make some things clear and outspoken, hmm. uh, uh, you glued yourself to the highway.
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: uh, there's a lot of discussion, both in Britain, Germany, other countries, about this radical climate activism that is as disruptive as gluing oneself to the surface of a highway Mm -hmm. you uh got arrested you spent time in prison you were waiting for trial you're doing this all uh Mm -hmm. not as a kind of an accident of your act activism but as a as a specific uh, uh, orientation of your activism right and there's something that you said Uh, In the sentences before that uh, struck me immediately uh, when you were talking about the scientists and you used Mm. the word heartbrokenness. Yes. And there's one other fact that I just want to establish as a shared, maybe shared assumption uh, basically, uh, that the climate crisis uh, is beyond the point where the crisis, where the catastrophe is avoidable. There there is something, uh, however this catastrophe will look like, uh, it will get worse, accelerate. It's Mm -hmm. basically, uh, I'm I'm not saying it's the end of the world, end of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm saying uh, it Mm -hmm. will be a major uh, human and and global crisis that maybe we have not seen. And Mm -hmm. we as a species, have to prepare for that it's not it's not about how we prevent it at this point uh, it's how we go mm-hmm. through it at this point mm-hmm. and this is a question in many dimensions it's a political mm-hmm. social economical mm-hmm. uh, question but it, it is also a spiritual question because it mm-hmm. will challenge us to the core very uh, much and that uh, will reach also let's say our spiritual stamina how we can deal with that definitely And collectively. Definitely. And I understand you that you and the groups that you're involved in are trying to address exactly that. Do you understand this right?
1: Yes, I think you do. Um, Because it's interesting, Thomas, because I agree with you. I feel it's inevitable. The breakdown is happening. I mean, look, just at California recently, it's a huge state. We can look in lots of places now and see what you're talking about already happening and it's only going to increase. I have you know I with you on that. What I think civil the place civil disobedience is two things I want to say about that, the role it has in that, because I feel we have to continue. Your I think your your latest magazine is devoted to regenerative agriculture, regenerative ways of of um organization, etc. Those things have to happen because I think when the breakdown happens, we have to have templates that are driven by a shift in consciousness or an expression of that. Those need to happen. But meanwhile, we have a situation that is feeding the fire, so to speak. I agree we're on a trajectory now that is pretty much unstoppable, but how that plays out, the degree it plays out, um, I think there's still room for amelioration on that which is part of what civil disobedience is about Mm. uh is 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 doing that because right now we have not had a shift at the heart of culture away from the spiritual values or lack of spiritual values that led us here and Mm. we're obviously speaking in generalizations here but uh it's a very long conversation but so that's happening. And that means that where the money is, where the power is, is still very much tied to old systems of thinking and old value systems. That's mm-hmm. still directing and it's having a huge effect. And the clock is ticking. So that's happening. Meanwhile, there are an enormous diverse array of, of things happening. In culture and uh, from from people, the way people think to the way they they do agriculture economic all of those sectors, a lot is happening that's 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 different it doesn't it's still on the periphery or moving in, but it's still on the periphery. We are still on the same track so the kind of climate disobedience at the moment the action is to counter that keep pushing that keep saying this has to change because that will. That will, I believe, ameliorate some of the effect. At the same time, to speak to what you were saying, we need to develop in order to adapt to that. That's not happening. I mean, largely not happening. And when I say it's not happening, it's not happening in a mainstream way. It's definitely happening outside of mainstream. There's no doubt about that. People are preparing, thinking about it, et cetera. But mainstream, we're still being pretty much um distraction is a huge tactic mm-hmm. i mean that is a huge tactic and we we know why so that's a big thing so part of the nonviolent disobedient the movement on on i'm i'm it's not really a rigid part of it but there is there is a community mm-hmm. a loose community is that the values we the training we do the values we have um is quite to put it. And it's interesting, because one of the people who's been involved in that is sort of guiding this said that once said to me, he said, um, you know, th- this kind of radical protest is transformative. And Thomas, I witnessed that because part of what moved me was I am three quarters, hopefully through my life. I've had an amazing life. I've had a very privileged in the sense that I've had a lot of freedom. I've been able to, I've lived in better times. I've had a lot of challenges too. Obviously we all have, but I feel, I see young people giving up their careers, giving up their, their, their lives because they feel desperate. They feel impotent Mm -hmm. and joining this movement. and, And, um, And I feel there's something deeply wrong when your youth uh, have to go to that extreme, to glue themselves to a road, for example, to attract the attention. The reason for doing that is to attract the attention of the media in order to bring the topic to discussion, which it has done. I have to say it's been very effective here in Britain. Um, because it's not just the act and the newspaper headlines. The conversation starts in all the newsrooms and the talk shows, and we now have young people very adept at talking about the issue there. So it's it's done a lot here in Britain. In but fact, I ask, yeah, I so ahead.
0: To, to one sentence uh, uh, that you brought, and I think it's just uh, maybe decent, uh, the, the, the central sentence is that radical activism is transformative. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why and how? Right.
1: Well, to engage in that, you have to be highly motivated. And I think what people are really motivated by this is care. They really care. And they feel that they feel compelled by a moral conscience, I have to say. Um, There's not a lot one gets out of it in other ways. But there's... um, you know, uh, but there, I think that you're responding to a part of yourself, and I know that was in my case. I felt I've often thought, where would I have been during the 30s in Germany? Where would I have been at certain times in history when things were happening socially and politically? And I felt I needed to, and I know all the people I know in this movement felt compelled to actually voice, to bring this topic out in, in all its complexity uh, and simplicity. And it is, it is Thomas, because you, you, A, you have to submit to an incredible discipline. You have to be very disciplined. You learn to, to, to be very disciplined in terms of your own emotions. It's motivated by love. It's not motivated by anger. I haven't met one angry person yet, activist. I'm not saying there aren't any. But, um, not, not, not someone who's motivated by anger. They're motivated by love, by the, by the compulsion to want to make a difference. The other thing is there's a lot of sacrifice. As I said, young people are giving up their careers. They're giving up their university degrees. And a lot of these people, it's interesting, are from North England and they're not from very wealthy backgrounds. The ability to be able to be on a road and inevitably cause disruption you're going to face people on the street who are are angry, the ability to let go and surrender to that and to have a capacity to feel empathy for them, which people do because we know it's disruptive, but to know very deeply why you are doing this and you know, be able to express that. So it 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 transforms. And I have now have witnessed and seen young people in prison writing poetry. There's one young man who's been seven or eight months in prison on remand, hasn't even got to trial yet. He is just broadcasting through the phone uh, from mm. his prison cell. Love Thomas. And he is an inspiration because he's he's being it's being transmitted to young activist groups across Europe and America. And it's inspiring to them. It's not a message of doom. It's a message of of love, frankly. And I have see these people change. Um, and I've I've felt myself. Um, the other one thing you have to do is you have to cross boundaries in yourself. And as you know, a spiritual practice is about stepping into the unknown. And so you have to cross boundaries. And I didn't even know I had a boundary of obedience to the state. So you have to have a very strong um a strong motivation for something bigger than yourself so
0: no, i completely understand mm-hmm. that and i also mm-hmm. can just a very simple fact uh particular for for young people yeah. uh, th- that you give up your career let's say mm-hmm. so uh for something that mm-hmm. you feel a deep existential urgency for mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. J- just this mm-hmm. choice basically yes. to be- to, to give up for, for some yes. higher value That's something right. that gives you will probably give you a lot of security yes. and comfort in your life uh, because mm-hmm. it will give you a good income uh, so mm-hmm. that that needs at least some moral stand uh, yes if not more uh kind of uh, spiritual stand of love or something yes so i can see that there is of course the counter argument mm-hmm. uh, that there is also a kind of uh the danger of kind of um, self-righteousness mm-hmm. and creating something where mm-hmm. fighting for the ideal, mm-hmm. uh, you, mm-hmm. you create the higher moral grounds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you identify, if, particularly when you're talking from a spiritual stance, basically the ego grabs that very fast. Mm-hmm. And basically you are saving the world. Mm-hmm. There's all kind of, uh, 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 traps built into this, Definitely. Let's, let's put it yes. that way. And mm. in Germany, there is the discussion, of course, this is also led by uh, uh, the uh, uh, mainstream media, uh, kind of putting on the wall the danger of eco-terrorism. Yes. Uh, and uh, and kind of uh, being concerned that there's a radicalization that ne- leads to something like a second wave of terrorist culture like the Red Army Fraction that came out of the 68 movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that this is happening, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, I can see that there are dynamics that could, could support something in that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, are, are mm-hmm. the people involved, also the t- people who have a voice <coughs> in that, how aware are they of this? Mm-hmm. And how are they Dealing with this, so mm-hmm. that this is uh, on a personal uh, and group level something that is transformative in a positive way. Uh, yes. That it it bigens the heart, it bigens the mind, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it, it enlarges your perspectives.
1: Well, it's interesting, and um, I can't speak for, because it's really not one monolithic movement, mm. I want to say that. So I, what you're speaking about, I'm very aware, could happen. It hasn't, as far as I know, happened here, and I'm fairly familiar. It's a fairly small group, really, a few hundred people. Um, and then there's waves of young students who came through over the summer. Um, so I can only really speak from the British part of it, Um and there is always that, Thomas. And there is always the the um, the danger of, you know, self identification, and as you said, um, moral righteousness, and you know that can happen for sure. But it's very interesting the culture within that I've been part of because there's a lot of Zoom calls. There's a lot of um, a lot of online interaction between between. There's there's that is I would say, not discouraged in a prescribed way, but it's certainly not part of it's 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 something that people acknowledge can happen it's it's there, but it's i what I've seen is it hasn't been an attractor to people in this movement. I'm quite surprised at the spiritual maturity of people who haven't necessarily had the spiritual training, and what I say by that is, so you know, some of these people do extraordinary things. Um, there's a young—I'll um, give example—a young engineer who, along with another engineer, went on top of this very high bridge in in Britain and hung a big poster, a big uh, hung a big flag up there with "Just Stop Oil" written on it. Now Morgan is writing poetry from from poet, beautiful poetry from prison that he sends off. He doesn't know even when his trial, is. he's in there a long time. There's also a surrender to that. Now, what I want to say is there's no celebritization of him. People appreciate, but it, it, that, that I've been very struck by. It's not, and I'm not saying every, no one has that. I'm sure there's pockets where that's going on, but it's not within the sort of field where we commonly communicate. And it's not when you go out on a team, it's not there either. I'm really surprised at, um, you know, there's a young man, Lou McKechnie, who's, he's become a sort of icon for a football team, <laughs> he, he went on. and that He's a very humble person. And I think, I don't know why, but I think the ambience, the sort of, of it being grounded in in nonviolent disobedience and very much relating, everyone's very aware too of the global South, how these movements have been operating there for years. Mm -hmm. This is not, you know, a new movement. Um, There's a a lot of uh, humility about that, that we're standing on the shoulders and a lot of awareness as well. People are very well informed about the history of how we got here, etc. So this could happen thomas i'm not saying it wouldn't mm-hmm. and the radicalization in terms of eco terrorism gluing one's hand to the t- is really a delay tactic it i just want to say it sounds incredibly radical and it is first time you do it it is but it really is a delay tactic it takes the police a few more minutes to get you off but, so that the press and it's not just for mm-hmm. some narcissistic press press moment but, so, the press record the, the 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 event, and then it will go further out and, as I said, be discussed in more depth in other in other in other forum other fora. but I just want to say these actions are designed to have minimum disruption; mm. they don't look like that, but they're planned to such a degree, including the what we call the blue light policy, letting those through, including having de escalators, which I've done where you're dealing you're talking to the public. All of these things are there, including how you relate to the police, including how you respond to. They're designed to be maximally disruptive in order to get raised attention, but minimally um, disruptive because people, it's hard to do that. Everyone is everyone feels that it's very hard when you're actually sitting on the road. You feel quite conflicted, to be honest, on a human level. So I haven't seen these Developments in Britain, at least, and but I'm not saying they'll never come. And just, yeah,
0: let, let me also ask on the other side mm. of this transformative question, because mm. when we talk about uh, radically activism being transformative,
1: mm-hmm. the two
0: sides that uh, I can see, one is talking about the individual and the group transformation, yes. mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I can see, <laughs> and we just talked about the dangers. And Mm. the other is, of course, also the question, how does this transform culture and society? Mm. Is this Mm -hmm. a transformative practice? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or is it maybe even a a, a practice that uh, becomes a boomerang because it kind of creates uh, barriers that haven't been there before? And to to be honest, uh, Mm. I'm back and forth with this question. And I just want to hear from you because Mm. on one hand, I just, Deeply can understand that in a situation where, uh, on one hand, the media and consciousness industry is is deeply primed to keep course in yes. our uh, modernist uh, uh, capitalist uh, right. Situation. It's one, but that's only one part of it. There is also our cultural uh, mm-hmm. k- kind of mm-hmm. being on the same. Uh, on, 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 on on the same lane mm-hmm. and our our lives, our careers or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. thought systems are all connected to that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's obvious at least I would claim so that mm-hmm. the science is clear that what I said at the beginning we are mm-hmm. at a point uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, beyond repair. Mm-hmm. Something has to stop both the consciousness industry and the mm-hmm. cultural consciousness, mm-hmm. and for that, I, just saying again mm-hmm. nicely, uh, mm-hmm. please think about it. Obvious mm. does not help. So disruption, yes, if, if it's controversial, does yes. something different,
1: exactly. Like,
0: and I, I, I do understand, although it may alienate at this point, yes. At the same time, it maybe also will penetrate.
1: Definitely, and that I would say,
0: yeah. That's the one side. And the the other side is, again, a fine line where you basically uh, alienate all those people who have also to change their own understandings Mm -hmm. and their own Mm -hmm. leanings Mm -hmm. because they feel provoked in a way that doesn't take them with you. Yes. With you, but basically aligns them uh, with Mm -hmm. the power at place. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes i'm sure that there must be a lot of conversations about there is. <laughs> the delicacy of this question there yes, is this conversation mm-hmm.
1: there definitely is and um you know, thanks for this is really the nub of it i think and there's even here a big movement about those that are advocating um what they call the moderate flank which is more orientated to bringing people on board in the way you're saying and then the the more radical flank which I want to say I'm not talking about eco-terrorism here, but I'm talking about people that are willing to cross those boundaries, go to prison, mm-hmm. um, but not be violent. And I'm not talking about not just not being violent, I'm talking about a deep surrender to something, to the uh to yeah, to love really, to why you're doing this. So that that's a practice in itself. There are practices. Um, but just to say, Thomas, I think at this point, the way we, where I've come to this and and a lot of the movement in these conversations is that, yes, usually radical, effective, nonviolent movements in the past have not been popular at the time. None of them. And even the violent ones like the suffragettes who they weren't, you know, they were very unpopular at the time, but they had a big impact. And Later on, they're viewed very differently because they're viewed within the context of the time, whereas the press largely, apart from the Guardian here, but the Financial Times, I have to say, the Times is starting to review some of its negative, negative um, perceptions of us, of what's happened, because they see change happening. But... um, Just to say there is a constant conversation. I think it needs to be a constant one because I think you need both. You need to bring people forward. And Extinction Rebellion is going more in that direction of reaching out, being more temperate. And I would say where I'm aligned with right now, I'm part of – because you need people. And part of why I'm doing it, Thomas, is there aren't a lot of people to do it. And I feel, well, if not me – you know, who, and I'm not saying everyone should do it. I absolutely don't. I think it's a calling. You know, it's something like, it's a spiritual calling, actually. And it's not something that I see myself, it's not all I see myself as. I'm writing, I'm doing all the activities and engagements and with all the groups I was before, this is one thread. But, um, But just to say that we are going to alienate people, we do, but... The more conversations, the more press, the, and when I say press, I mean conversations like we're having with people involved that are public, people begin to go, oh, maybe there's more to this, maybe these people. And I want to say that there is an element of being willing of the power of sacrifice and the power of example. And I'm not talking about myself at this point, but I have seen how people willing to go to prison for something higher, free of anger, still expressing a love and a care, because none of these people, I want to say, actually think it's, we can't have an effect. As I said, I don't think we're going to turn, you know, we've gone too far to turn events completely, but we can ameliorate it and we can stop the harm. So I often see this as triage too. We've got to stop the harm or it's going to be way worse than it will be anyway. And I think that's a critically important thing. And as I said to you in the beginning, we, we're we not there yet. That hasn't happened. It needs to happen. So I think you need both. But I think the radical, and that's why I'm I'm quite vocal. I'm very vocal within our group. Um, there's a very good uh, culture of questioning things that's very, and that's the article I wrote about, it's obviously permeated by postmodern and even metamodern Influences. It's very non-hierarchical and non-prescriptive. People are very in- autonomous. I have to say, you can't be in there as a follower. You have to because if you're alone in a prison cell, you are going to be relying on yourself and et cetera, et cetera. So you have to know why you're doing it. So I feel both of those, and I think the the fact that it is it is it is risking and it is alienating certain people. That's for sure, and sometimes a lot, if you look at the press, it looks like a lot, but as there was a BBC environmental um, consultant for twenty years, his name's Roger and he said during the insulate Britain, why well, he said what was achieved in two months, I could not achieve in twenty years, meaning the raising of the topic into consciousness mm-hmm. here so yeah it's it's a difficult one, and as you said it's 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 a yeah, let it's me, the core of conversation.
0: Let me bring in also a third dimension of transformation mm-hmm. uh, that is easily overseen, and from my perspective, lies in between the two that we have talked about, mm-hmm. and which I found uh, very intriguing. In fact, uh, I heard about uh, when I heard heard about you uh, uh, being in prison and being a mm-hmm. trial and the conscious uh, thoughts about how your attitude and the way you are and what you are for on trial Mm. changes the people in Mm. the law system, the lawyers, the the judges, uh, the the people uh, who treat you in prison. Similar, I assume that journalists who have to report about you uh, being involved uh, mm-hmm. not only with your arguments <clears> throat> <also> throat> with your humanness exactly are are exposed to something and this uh, mm-hmm. i find this uh, very fascinating because it has a consciousness spiritual dimension to it this is not about uh, just the bad arguments no. it, it, this is about uh uh the the depth of humanness, uh, and yes, and also how we uh, influence us as humans, yes, in absolutely. Our and that there's humanness on all sides, and the trust in yes. that, and the trust yes. in the transformative power. Yes, uh, if I may say it in a in a planned way, of the good, the true, and the beautiful mm-hmm. in our souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is something uh, 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 that uh, I find is a very uh, powerful way of thinking about Mm -hmm. um, transformation. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Well, um, everything you spoke about is is definitely part of this. Um, It's true. I don't know, Thomas, how many... Um, I'm just going to start with the, the people I've engaged with, public, police, guards, ushers, court ushers, judges. And I'm just talking about myself, but you can magnify that. Um, there is... Um, I was just attending two trials recently um, with a very, very difficult judge. He took away every, uh, every possible argument. He made... He, within he, he put them outside the parameter of the ruling. So you couldn't even mention climate change. You couldn't mention intention. You couldn't mention motivational context. Two, two of those trials were given a non-guilty verdict. Miraculous for exactly the reason you're talking about. Because those, there were four defendants in each. They spoke so authentically with such transparency, such humanness that the jury were affected because Mm. the prosecutor had the, you know, they weren't denying they were there, et cetera, et cetera. And they weren't even able to frame it within the context that they were. So it's, it has a power. It really does. And I think when you have a small group of people, yes, they can be, you know, sort of a lot of negative, negative publicity, but it is having an effect. And I have seen, police officers, when they realize we're not looking to just get out of prison or we're just getting, you know, that we're actually doing this for a purpose. And the courts are a very important forum for this. And because the judiciary... I've learned is not well educated in the climate crisis or the ecological. They're not, of course, they know what we know in, from reading the papers, but they do not, they haven't connected the dots necessarily. as And um, so they're learning a lot <laughs> themselves. So the court is a forum for our humanity, transparency. It's where I think um the issues of the day with all their depth are on display. And the other day, the, um, we, I came out, I was in the, I was in the gallery and when we got the non-verdict, it was amazing, Thomas, because the feeling then, I was amazed how deeply I was moved because you feel this justice operating outside. These are not criminals. <laughs> We're not criminals. Um, there's a reason, this, and imprisoning those that are simply raising the flag and going, Hey, we're there is an issue here, we have to make changes, and it's all very reasonable that the changes that are made right that they're they're actually reasonable um for those people to be shut up is becoming a difficult thing for our society, I think, and for the judges and for the juries and the and I think it's the pure, as you said, it's the sheer humanity, the, convic- the the love and conviction, which largely, I wouldn't say completely, and funnily enough, the person, one of the most public faces of these, one of the founders of Extinction Rebellion, is probably more ideological than anyone in the movement, mm. uh, Roger Hallam. And everyone knows that. That's the other thing I saw. People hold it very lightly. They know that's him, and it doesn't define what people do. So... Yeah, it's a deeply human, um, it's a deeply human movement. And I've seen, um, I mean, I was in a prison van. I have to just tell you this very briefly The you have people escorting you. I had a vicar who was with me. There was a couple of others. And I think one of the police officers must've been Roman Catholic. He was fascinated and he called his wife and said, you will not believe it. I'm escorting a vicar to, you know, to, um, to the court. And, uh, But in talking and conversation I've had, I can't even remember, I think, how many conversations with police officers, young, often young, when they understand what we're doing, why we're doing, and many have claimed too, they really don't know that much, the kind of transformation that happens. So the more and more, Thomas, you have a nucleus of people that are honestly embodying something, not just a radical message, as you said, but embodying something different. It starts to have an impact. The ushers at the courthouse at the other, came out and hugged the defendants. We shouldn't have done that, but they did. (laughs) The court ushers. So there's some very moving things. Um, And just to say one other, they have these sort of dungeon-like cells beneath the high court that you come from, when you come from prison, you're in these dungeon-like cells. They're very rough. And I was in there for quite a long time waiting to go up. And this young well, I mean, you're not allowed out at all for anything, but they'll bring you tea and water, etc. And when the one of the young guards there brought me tea, he said, Can you explain your objective? And I said, You mean my objective or the movement? You know, the movement and and he said, No, the movement, what's it about? And so I very briefly, because we had very little time, explained, And I can feel the change in his consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't mean this in any sort of self um elevating way but i felt his respect you know he was just wasn't just for me it was for something that he saw happening that um he began to understand so just to say that um yeah it's quite trans it can have a transformative effect you in know in, in many ways on many levels
0: no i i i see that and uh uh, it is powerful let me put it on a probe though okay. yes no do <laughs> Again, yeah, that's why isn't that i mean obviously this is very powerful what you're describing isn't there also the danger to create some self-heroic bubble where you have this response from the, mm-hmm. from the judge where you have mm-hmm. the response from uh, uh from the policeman and the mm-hmm. feel and, and basically there's 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 something where something happens in in in, mm-hmm. in 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 a minor way but basically mm-hmm. it doesn't really make that difference
1: no then yeah.
0: one feels that one has done something mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really saying that to mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. question that part mm-hmm. no let's uh, bring that yeah. danger in because uh mm. uh uh, uh Yeah, that traps on all sides.
1: There are traps on all sides. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And um, I think one of the uh, I all I can say is that I've been struck Mm. by the absence of that. No, I just have. Um, I think people are far too concerned about the the reality of the situation. Also, people are dealing with a lot of the other families who don't, dis, who don't you know, the people in bit more, you know, sort of um, conservative villages who are no longer spoken to <laughs> by the villages. So there's a lot on the other side, too, right, as you, as you brought up. But I think, Thomas, that I'm not saying that's not, of course, that's that's a possibility. But I have not witnessed that. And I think part of it is the weight of the concern about the situation. It's much bigger than any one of us. And um, I think also there's an awareness that, as I said before, this is one thread of many that have to happen, right? It's not the thread. Some, and I have to speak to Roger, Roger Hallam, is, maybe presents that, but a lot of people that I know are very aware this, they consider this a very important thread and we do need people to come because there's only so much time you can continue to do this. Things build up and accumulate. Right. And, um, you know, time in prison, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's a great respect for other movements, for other things that are happening and an awareness that this is, uh, there's a tapestry of, of, um, of, of different threads that are needed, but they're all fueled i think uh it's been my by this understanding that we need a new culture we need a, a shift in our cultural values we need a shift of consciousness and many many in this movement are also from other movements they're from the regenerative movement the agra, a lot of them organic you know they they come from different some of them are have worked in the environmental you know, as environmental scientists, some are students, some are construction workers. I mean, they're from all over, actually. But I haven't seen that. And I think it's partly because there's so much attention on what needs to happen. And the other thing, just to say, there is an awareness when we're together or we're going out in an action that we're kind of co-creating a culture as we go. So there is a carefulness in that, Um I feel that is acts as a kind of self-reflector, you know, a point of self-reflection.
0: Mary, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for yeah. what you're doing. Uh, I think it's important.
1: Thank you, Thomas, and thank you for your questions. It's, it's um, yeah, it's very important, I think.